Hello and welcome to Recovery, where East meets West, and we learn through Buddhism and psychology how to deal with mental health and health issues. And now for your host, Dr. Tyler Woods and Sharon Francis. Hi, this is Tyler Woods. And I'm Sharon Francis. And you're listening to Recovery, which is a Buddhist perspective into mental health. Today, we're going to talk about depression and Buddhist psychology. You know, there's an old saying that says, man is fond of counting his troubles, but he does not count his joys. If he counted them up as he ought to, he would see that every lot has enough happiness provided for it. Isn't that a wonderful saying? I mean, I wish we could all embrace that on a daily basis, but I think it's absolutely true. It is. We do focus. We tend to focus on the negative far more than the positive. Absolutely. My teacher said one day that our thoughts come and go all day long like the waves on an ocean. And we can like acknowledge them and let them go like a wave or we can grasp onto them and give them power. And we always grasp onto the negative ones. I always think that we do that because in my mind I picture negative thoughts being lower And if we're these little people in the brain and we go to reach for thoughts, that we reach for the ones that are closest to us, which would be negative because the positive thoughts we have to reach a little higher for. And you can't reach that high when you're not feeling right. So, you know, of all of Buddha's teaching, it stems from compassion. I think Buddhism strives to free all the beings from any suffering that it causes. And, you know, in Buddhist belief, we believe that we live in a world of samsara, and that is a world of suffering, and on any given day, we're just mitigating the amount of suffering that we suffer. So if we can find ways to mitigate it in the practice that we do, then we're going to feel a lot better and live happier lives. So let's talk about Buddhism and depression. First of all, depression is a disorder that interferes with our ability to work, to study, to eat, to sleep, to enjoy, to have pleasurable activities. Depression is on the rise in the United States, by the way. I just read this this morning that uh, I did a quick glance at the data, and it says that, um, you know, due to the terrible events that are happening and the political things and whatnot, that uh, the health insurance company, Blue Cross Blue Shield, just released a report of May of this year showing that 41 million people that it insures, um, that 33% of them um, in the past 18 months have experienced depression. Wow, that is some staggering numbers. But we know depression is the most common mental health issue in the United States. Uh, Well, it used to be, now it's been surpassed, I think, by anxiety. It is, and they say by 2020, depression will be the number one disability, including physical disabilities, in the entire world. And I don't know about you, Tyler, but in my own personal practice, in my work life, I see more and more young people who are also suffering from depression and anxiety. It's true, and I blame a lot of that on technology and um, that active screen time, but you're a psych nurse, so um, what do you know about depression? I know quite a bit about depression. I've suffered from depression myself. Um, It's typically defined as a dysfunction in how we perceive the world due to our negative, distorted perceptions caught in a feedback loop, which leads to a downward spiral that destroys our motivation and sometimes even our will to live. 
Yeah. You know, I have a good friend that committed suicide a few months ago, and this person had everything to live for, you would think, from the outside looking in. Depression is also like that. You can't see it on someone's face. No, because depression wears many, many masks. It does, and someone will put on a happy face and go out and have dinner with you and then go home and cry their eyes out all night long because they're so depressed they want to kill themselves. Right, and here's the thing about depression. We all know that medication can be helpful, and in some cases, it's very necessary. However, for me personally, after treating people for over 24 years for depression, I have seen meditation and mindfulness literally cure moderate to mild depression. In fact, a recent report in the Psychiatric Journal found that mindfulness with therapy, not just mindfulness, but mindful meditation with therapy was just as effective at helping overcome depression uh, as the sole use rather than just um, antidepressants. However, I have to tell you, and you know this as a nurse, that it's important to note that meditation alone will not cure depression. No, it won't. And I wouldn't even want to claim that. You know, depression no. is multifaceted and it's different in, in every person. And there's usually a trauma component, um, not always, but there's a lot of times a trauma or multi-trauma component to people with depression. And that childhood um, trauma needs to be dealt with with some therapy and counseling and, and other types of um, modalities besides just meditation. Well, yeah, because mindfulness-based therapy helps us learn to recognize and understand our thoughts and feeling patterns, which comes a lot with trauma, and with the goal of creating a new, more efficient model. The straightforward method teaches meditation practice by concentrating on breathing, thoughts and feelings, your body, you know, we store, I always say if there's an issue, it's in the tissue, so, and we store this body sensation. And um, they say that 64% of medical doctors, by the way, and psychiatrists, are now stating they want training in mindfulness therapies. I think that they actually should because can you imagine how much they multitask in a day? Oh my gosh. And I think multitasking to me is the exact opposite of mindfulness. Yeah. I used to think that the more things I could do at one time, the more clever I was and the more bright I was and the more brilliant I was. And then I figured out it's making me stupid. <laughs> well, you know, mindfulness training helps us notice and work with our experience rather than running away from it because that's what I did. Being in recovery for 28 years, I used to use drugs and alcohol to run from um, any of my problems. But truth be told, the maze of depression, the maze of pain and anxiety and fear, it's a maze we're holding onto. It's our cubicle that we are inflicting upon ourselves. And all we have to do is be willing to let it go to start the healing. Trouble is, we have to stop inputting everything. No kidding. I think it's important to follow a Buddhist perspective with depression because it teaches us to accept suffering as part of life. The great irony is that accepting suffering, accepting its existence, is actually part of the way of robbing it from its power. It's like looking your fear in the face. It seems that once we accept this suffering, we begin to be free of it. Right, and, and I think that's the key to depression is, you know, I specialize in depression, and, and one of the things that clients come in and say to me is, 
I don't want to to be depressed. I hate being depressed. I don't want to be depressed. I hate it. I hate it. And I always say, well, why don't you accept it first? Because all that pushing it away, if we took all that energy it takes to push away the, the energy that it has of depression, rather if we just accepted our depression, we're saving our energy to work more mindful with our depression. One thing I like to say when I'm having a feeling like that that I really don't want to hold on to is instead of thinking I am depressed, I think a feeling of depression is arising in me. Mm-hmm. And it sounds funny when you say it the first well, no, or second I or like third that. time. but And when I get angry, a feeling of anger is arising in me because I don't want to say anything negative after the words I am. Mm. Those words are so powerful. Listen to what she's saying. Anything you say after the words, I am, you are putting that out into this universe, Mm -hmm. and I guarantee you will manifest it. Well, that's what I like about um, the importance of Buddhist psychology is it takes a different approach. You know, I've been studying Buddhist psychology for for a great deal of time, and and I have a couple of, um, you know, I've been taking coursework, and I have a degree in it. But here's the thing when it comes time to managing depression is a great deal of Buddhism focuses on the mind and our patterns of thought. When it comes to thinking, the Buddha said, the mind is everything. What you think, what you become. To sum it up, suffering stems from the mind of our own thinking. That's true. Our brains are wired to have what's called a negativity bias, which is a protective evolutionary mechanism. We're wired to detect potential threats so that we can ensure our own safety and survival and survival of the race. But that bias can also lead to mental health problems such as depression. Yeah. I think it's because we believe everything that our inner critic says. Absolutely we do. Yeah, we shouldn't listen to all that negative self-talk. I used to, a, a funny story about that is, I used to have a, I used to put a picture of my negative uh, inner critic on my shoulder and, and I gave her a personality. And so what I learned in that aspect and with my experiences to ask my negative uh, inner critic, what did she want? Because I didn't want to believe what everything she had to say. So um, it's too easy to become depressed and anxious or afraid by listening to her. It sure is. By focusing on the negative and constantly comparing ourselves to others, all we do is set ourselves up to feel bad. Our minds lead us into all sorts of emotionally distressing traps. No kidding. And here's the thing. When, when people are depressed, they get caught up in cycles of rumination where negative thoughts keep running over and over and over in the mind. And this triggers a low mood. And meditation therapy is perfect for treating this type of depression because it'll cut that rumination right out and teaches us to pay attention to our present moment experience and stop us from getting tied up in that negative thinking about past and future. It helps create more space in our minds, which is the result of effective, which results in effective decision making. Oh, and this is what I'm getting out of that, Sharon, is is, um, we, I think sometimes, you always say, what is it with the monkeys? Monkey mind. The monkey mind, yeah. And it's something the Buddhists say, the monkey mind. And it's just like this clutter in our brain. And our brain just holds too much clutter. And technology has, you know, it's been wonderful in so many ways, but it's made this problem so much worse. And it socially isolates us. 
So yeah. not only does it feed our monkey mind with all this data and information and pictures and sound going into our brain all day long. Yeah, but lucky, lucky us that techniques such as mindfulness, meditation, and yoga are able to help us detach from our toxic thinking. You know, meditation teaches us how to step back from that noise in our head and create space between ourselves and our inner monologue. I love that. When I can get myself into a meditative state where there's some space between my thoughts, that's, a, that's, a, that's the true nature of our mind. Yeah, and all meditation is, is we're stepping back from that stream of consciousness. And we can choose whether or not we want to believe all the thoughts that are chattering around in our head. That's so key. That's so key because depression in our suffering is real. I'm not saying it's not real, but the real question is how attached are you to it? And how can you let go more easily to heal it? And that's where Buddhist psychology may come in better than your traditional psychology because it kind of answers that question more. Um, I once had a client, um, uh, I worked at a crisis center, and I told this client, hey, what would it be like if you woke up one day and you just weren't depressed? And this person got very angry at me. She was attached to that mm -hmm. depression. That had become part of her identity. It was her just identity. Just like I'm a nurse and you're a doctor and, you know, somebody else is, is, you know, the ice cream guy or whatever. She's the depressed lady. Right. And so we. this is where Buddhist psychology comes in hand is Buddhist psychology really works on the here, the now, and not being attached to your suffering. And what I love about it too, Tyler, it puts me in the driver's seat. I'm in charge of my own healing. I don't have to go somewhere else to get it. I've got it with me all the time. Right, so I hope this helps you. And I believe that if you look around, you will find practitioners life coaches, psychotherapists, psychiatrists, and Teachers. even doctors. There are people out there that can help you that practice Buddhist psychology. For now, I'm Tyler Woods saying walk in peace. And I'm Sharon Francis saying don't forget to breathe.